Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. It's the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for joining us. Another packed show for you today as we prepare for week three of the college football season. The Big Ten's trying to get back on the field. The Pac-12 is trying to get back on the field. We're going to break down all the big recruiting news of the week. Remember, if you're new here, please hit that subscribe button. Please rate us. Please review us. If you leave a five-star Apple podcast review with your recruiting question, you've got a chance to get it answered on our upcoming mailbag episodes. I guarantee you it's the best way to have your recruiting question answered on this show. We will touch base with Brian Doan. He's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports to discuss a big decommitment in his neck of the woods out of Philadelphia, four-star defensive end Elijah Judy backing off his pledge to Georgia. Brian will also give us the latest on Tristan Lee. He's a five-star offensive lineman from the state of Virginia. What he is hearing on the promising start for Penn State in both the 2022 and 2023 classes and a discussion on the recruiting implications of the Big Ten returning to the field. But before we get to all that let's begin with the kickoff the division one council has extended the recruiting dead period through the end of the year so that means no in-person recruiting for the rest of 2020 so contact between coaches and recruits is limited to phone calls and correspondence only and additionally no complimentary admissions to recruits or their coaches will be allowed this season joining us now is the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports, Brandon Huffman, to continue our discussion on the Division I Council announcing that they were going to be extending the recruiting dead period through the end of the year. So no in-person visits, no in-person contact until at least the first week of January in 2021. Brandon, first of all, how are you doing? Oh, it's great. I'm waiting for that Lakers, Clippers, Western Conference flat. <laughs> Wait, no, never mind. Sorry. Sorry. I forgot the Clippers didn't hold up their end of the bargain. As usual, JV players, turn your uniforms in. We'll see you at the banquet. You know, you know I will say our, our producer, Tani, who does a, a tremendous job on the show and, and has been a longtime uh, rooter of, of our mutual podcast endeavor, uh, he is a huge Boston Celtics fan. So I'm secretly hoping that we renew the bicoastal rivalry and we get some we get some little playful jabs there between you and, and Tani. You know, Blair, you were on that text with me and you and Greg where it was like this Celtics team is so hard to hate, like all the previous Celtics teams that I despise growing up in Southern California. And I have no doubt that if the Lakers and Celtics make it to the finals, that hate will start to come back to the surface. But dare I say the Celtics are kind of kind of likable right now? They're a little likable. A little I, bit. I will admit they are a fun group to watch. And, you know, obviously being an NBA player in the bubble, you, you finally get to have visitors in. 
Um, I'm going to segue here. Stay with me. You get (laughs) visitors into the bubble once you start advancing in the playoffs and and all that. Well, the recruiting dead period was extended. There will be no visits. There is no bubble in college football. And we're going to discuss the impact that it could have in recruiting for this cycle and beyond. Now, I know the biggest question that you and I both have, because great minds think alike and you and I are so similar, what is going to happen to the early signing period in December now that there are no visits uh, happening? And I'm expecting a bevy of commitments to happen now in the next few weeks as players start to realize, hey, I'm never going to be able to go out and check out the school that offered me. You know, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with the December signing period. I would say that, you know, you and I and Greg worked on a piece about a month and a half ago, right when the Pac-12 and the Big Ten said they weren't going to play this season, just to see how the Pac-12 was going to recruit from that point. And I anticipate that there will still be a December signing period. There's a reason school has been pushing for those early commitments so they can get those guys to sign. It's that February one that I anticipate getting pushed back and talking with some of the Pac-12 and Mountain West schools that I've talked to about this. They think that February period will be moved back to April. And especially now, given the, the dead period extension through the end of December, it almost ensures the spring is going to have to get pushed back because you're looking, especially if you're looking at it from a Pac-12 angle, which, you know, I'm sure not many of the listeners are, but there is a Pac-12 angle to this in that I think there's six Pac-12 programs that are in states right now where their football season won't start until, or maybe actually there's more than that because there's the four California schools, two Washington, two Oregon, and Colorado. That's nine schools in the Pac-12 plus Vegas, which is a part of the Pac-12 footprint, so Nevada, that's 10. There's, you know, nine schools and a key state that won't start football until January in California, March for the rest. So if you're a program that's trying to recruit in your own state, imagine being Carl Durrell here. You've been hired after the signing period in February. Now you won't be able to recruit your own in-state kids off campus until at least January, and you won't get to see them play until probably March. If you have that February signing period, there's a lot of those guys you will have never gotten to see play in person, but you had to sign. That's why I think we'll see that second period get pushed back. But it's, you know, with, with the dead period being extended across the country, I mean, there, there was players, Emeka Ibuka is the number one receiver in the country. I talked to him last week and he said he's still hoping that the NCAA allows for some kind of visits. Well, now that that's out the window, do players like Ibuka, do players that are elite recruits but aren't able to take those visits do they wait longer do they commit sight unseen in some cases that's what's going to be really fascinating to see how many guys end up now having to make further decisions without any opportunity to visit schools or have those schools visit them the ripple effect the other one that i i wanted to touch on it is the fact that we have for a long time announced that we were on record pace in terms of commitments, right? There were no visits dating back to early March. Uh, a lot of players had been jumping on offers. Uh, many of them had had committed to school sight unseen. And in the future, we were expecting, uh, you know, what goes up must come down. So as many commitments as we've seen, we were, we were expecting to see maybe uh, a, a really good amount of decommitments, a lot of activity as players then started to hit the road, started to see other schools. That is now out the window. There will be no in-person contact. Players can still and, and go drive out to a campus. I know a number of them are doing that and taking unofficial visits just to, to, to take a look around, to get a feel for 
the city to to know what the maybe what the food environment is like around campus. I know that's a big part of it still. But without the presence of these in-person meetings and coaches being able to go all in on a recruit, maybe during an in-home visit or going out to one of his high school games or or checking in on him consistently, I don't know if we're going to see the number of decommitments and the number of, 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 of activity and the frenzy that we were expecting. I think we are going to see that in a year from now in the transfer portal because that's when the breakups are going to happen. You know, usually when you have the verbal commitment, we've talked about this for years. I mean, when you have the verbal commitment, yeah, it's just a verbal commitment. It's nothing binding until it's signed. But now both parties kind of have to take a chance on each other and really say, okay, you know, I'm in this with you for the long haul and vice versa. But then there's still going to be the marriage, and then we have a divorce after a year, maybe six months. I mean, we've seen that in years where there's been players that have taken official visits. Look at Antonio Alfano a couple years ago. He commits to Alabama, signs with Alabama, and then he's at Colorado six, seven months later. We saw it with Chris Steele and Brew McCoy. I mean, there's been guys that have gone through the recruiting process, taken a number of visits, visited schools a number of times, and still ended up in the portal before they ever played a snap. Now – accelerate that with guys that are making commitments to schools and then eventually signing with schools sight unseen, I think the portal is going to be busier than it's ever been. And now it's going to be up to the NCAA with the discussion that there's been the last couple of years and certainly over the last nine to 12 months of you get a one-time transfer without having to sit out a year. I do wonder now at the NCAA, because they're the ones, remember, they're the ones that keep moving the goalposts on the dead period. It's not the recruits that are, it's the school. So you're telling these kids to commit to a school sight unseen because you're not letting them take visits. The NCAA continuously does the wrong thing, but this might be an opportunity for them to do the right thing. If they're going to be the ones to keep telling coaches and schools and recruits, you can't take a visit because of our rules. Don't you be trying to stand in their way if these kids try to transfer in a year from now after they found out we weren't a good fit. Right. Yeah. Let's say a kid gets out on campus and doesn't like it. Right. And and, and maybe thought he would. Uh, are you going to be able to hang it on him? It's not really his fault. Right. If he was pressured into committing, if he was pressured into signing early, if there were no other alternatives for him, uh, I think that would be a good way to maybe offset a lot of the effect that we've seen out of this 2021 class. We were joined by Brandon Huffman. He's the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. Send him your, your, your uh, I don't know what, NBA Western Conference. Send me your favorite Clippers moment in the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> Send them your memes. Send them everything on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. Uh, Brandon, before we let you go, the, the other key point here is not only is this affecting 2021, but in the future, when you factor in that, you know, the, the 2021 class is not the only class that is playing football right now. They're not the only class that is landing offers. They're not the only class that is, is, isn't able to get on campuses and visit schools. Um, now, obviously, this could also affect things for 2022, 2023, and even the freshman class. I think that you're going to see the 2022s now really start to suffer the effects of it. We've seen less offers go out to 22 or I guess to juniors at this point than we have in the last previous year because so many of those offers are made in the spring, 
in the summer, in the spring of their sophomore year, in the summer going into their junior year, when coaches get them on campus, when coaches go to the schools and visit them. Now we're seeing a little bit more hesitancy for 2022 offers to go out because so many of these guys make that jump between their sophomore and junior year. With so many schools focusing on the 21 class, the 22s have kind of fallen you know, further down the depth chart in terms of importance. But the, the interesting thing is, remember, it wasn't long ago where you know, your junior year to your senior year is when you got recruited. Maybe this will move a shift back to kind of the old days of where your senior year mattered, your junior year really mattered, instead of so many schools offering guys early on and then ultimately realizing, man, that was a bad evaluation that we had two years ago when they were freshman, sophomore, they haven't developed. There may be some more precautions taken in those offers. You have more of a context to evaluate off to now extend those offers. But I think the 2022s, the, you know, the juniors, I should say, rather than specifically the 2022, in this case, they are 2022. I think they're affected greatly because I think there's been a lack of offers there. And then the same with the 2023. I think this is the, the probably the least amount of offers we've seen to sophomores to be in several years at this point. Yeah, and those players haven't been able to go out to camps, showcase their talents, get those offers while they are taking visits. So th- this isn't just detrimental to the senior class. I think this it could be a, a longstanding effect to recruits a- across high school football. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. I-, I hope that next time we have you on the show, we can talk about something that's positive, right? Maybe the Pac-12 will be back. Let's do it. Maybe the Pac-12 will be back. Maybe we will have a you know concrete date of when they actually start this year. Maybe the Pac-12 don't laugh, Blair. Maybe the Pac-12 will get this season started in time to be in the discussion for the college football playoff. <laughs> you told he me laughed. not to laugh, but I couldn't help it. That's Brandon Huffman. He is the national recruiting editor for Twenty Four Seven Sports. We'll be right back with more on the Twenty Four Seven Sports Football Recruiting Podcast eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo, joined by Brian Doan now. He is a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. Brian, we had some West Coast representation. Now we're taking out to the East Coast. 
Brandon Huffman talk a lot about the Pac-12 trying to bring football back. Well, the Big Ten is bringing football back, and we're going to get to it in a, in a little bit. Uh, but th- there was a lot of discussion between me and Brandon about the extension of the recruiting dead period through the end of the year. So there will be no in-person contact, no in-person visits until at least January of 2021. Now, I my theory is that this could potentially slow the the bevy of decommitments that we were expecting this recruiting cycle, given the fact that we were on record pace in terms of commitments. Well, Elijah Judy, a four-star defensive end from the state of, of Pennsylvania, had been committed to Georgia. He backed off recently. It's probably the bigger recruiting news of the week. I know you have some really good insight there. Uh, how did that all go down? And what are the next steps for Elijah Judy as he decommits and now looks for his next destination? Yeah, I think when you first you look at it, he was down in Georgia in, I think it was late January, and he got exposure there. He saw what the campus was like. He really enjoyed it. His his family loved the visit down there. Um and, you know, it's Georgia, it's the SEC, Philly kid who, you know, we know what DeAndre Swift out of Philadelphia did at Georgia, the running back who's now in the NFL. And so it was a connection there. And it was, okay, look, I, I'm not going to be able to make some visits. Georgia wants him, so let's make a decision. And and so he did. And, and you could see why he would make it. Flights from Philly to Atlanta are pretty, pretty cheap, pretty easy to get to. But, you know, Texas A&M, has recruited the Northeast, you know, the South Jersey, Philadelphia, even into New York, recruited it really well on a defensive line. And, and there's a really good reason. Defensive line coach is Elijah Robinson, who's from South Jersey. And so why do I bring up Texas A&M? Because everybody you talk to, or at least that I talk to, in Philadelphia and surrounding Judy said not only was he going to decommit from Georgia, but look for him to flip to Texas A&M, which is, you know, if you go look and you see all crystal balls, that's where that comes from. And I think he still winds up there. You know, he's got a friend, a teammate, Tariq Chappelle, who's committed to Texas A&M out of Philadelphia. Um, So it all makes sense and everything. And listen, you mentioned about kids decommitting and there's no football in Philadelphia right now. So what, what do kids have to do right now? Lift, work out, listen to coaches talk about <laughs> why they should go to their school, even if they're committed somewhere else. And, you know, I, the, the ones I feel bad for now, I mean, I felt bad for the SEC, ACC, Big 12, because when the, when the Big 10 wasn't playing, well, they, those other conferences still had to match the energy and recruiting the Big 10 was using. And now, you know, the Big 10 is going to be playing too. So the Pac-12 should be having all this energy and recruiting and uh, we'll see if they can make it work. But yeah, that's kind of the backstory with Judy. I think he'll, he'll wind up at A&M. He says he's not going to decide until signing day, which is cool. I mean, if I'm him, I, I could see why you would take your time. With visits getting shut down, it you know, obviously he can't really go on officials until at least January now if he wants to sign in December because that that still is possible. Um, But, yeah, I mean, if he changed from Georgia to somewhere else, even though we're thinking A&M right now, I mean, LSU, Oregon, Tennessee were all in his his top five before he committed. And I could see some other places getting involved too or at least trying to. So the good news is I'm supposed to go down and uh, 
see him next week. So I should be able to get a lot more information out of that. Yeah, and I think that's the challenging part for maybe the players that are getting new offers, getting new options on the table, is the inability to actually go and see things for themselves in person. And, you know, a big topic that I think we're going to discuss here in a little bit is the fact that some of these Big Ten schools will now be hitting the field this fall, right? And some of these players will get a chance to actually get a visual representation of some of these schools. Speaking of players from the Northeast that are considering SEC schools let's let's discuss Tristan Lee right now he's a five-star offensive lineman has been to LSU back-to-back weekends I know the crystal ball has been trending to the Tigers for them to land a a highly coveted offensive lineman what's the latest on Tristan Lee what are you hearing uh in terms of his recruitment yeah I think this one's going to be really interesting and and a, you know this, Blair, a lot of people know it. You, a recruit can say whatever they want, but you, you follow what they do, right? You follow the actions. And he went to Oklahoma and had a good time out there at the end of August. And then the next two weekends, he heads down to LSU. And, you know, I, I don't care if you have your own private plane. The deal from going from Fairfax, Virginia down to Baton Rouge is not easy. So to do it two weekends in a row shows you what his interest level How is. How many flights is he taking at that point? I mean, it's pretty easy because he can get out of, uh, you know, Reagan or Dulles out of D.C. because of where Fairfax is and just fly into New Orleans and take, you know, an hour and a half ride or whatever it is or drive down there whatever you know he went the last trip was with his sister mom and girlfriend so it's just one flight yeah yeah. but 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 i'm thinking because you know this is the thing i always think about some recruits that i'll you know since i cover west coast recruits i think of the players that have to fly from one airport to a main airport to get to a smaller airport right now now and and that signifies to me that signifies real interest because you're going through a lot of hurdles there well, you know, and, and I talk about that with kids here. I don't know if people know, but, you know, I, I covered the Pac-12 or it was Pac-10 for, you know, six years. And I've, I've been to all the schools. I've covered games. I've flown into all the airports. Even when Utah and Colorado weren't in it, I, I had covered UCLA games at those places. Um, it's not, I mean, let's put it this way. There ain't a lot of direct flights in the Pullman. And, you know, getting into Corvallis or Eugene, you know, unless you're coming up from L.A. at certain times, it's not easy. So, yeah, I agree. If a, if a kid from here, like like uh, Deontay Thornton, who's a receiver from Baltimore, who's got Oregon really high on his list, and he went there last summer, if he's making another trip out to Eugene, that tells me, man, there's major interest there because it's not easy to get to. You know, you're, you're not taking a direct flight from Eugene from Baltimore. Um, but – on the flip side with Tristan Lee, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to get down there. Um, you know, he doesn't have a season, so it's not like there's a lot going on, and yeah, squeeze it into some windows. But he could have picked any other place to go visit again, right? It wasn't, well, let me go check out Clemson again, or, hey, it's been a while since I've been to Ohio State to walk around the campus. Let me go check out Ohio State um, or Bama. No, it was let me go back to LSU. You know, Florida's still involved there too, and it wasn't, well, let me go down to Gainesville. It was let me go back to LSU and Baton Rouge. And to me, that, that says more than anything Tristan Lee could say at this moment. 
We're joined by Brian Doan. You could follow him on Twitter at Brian Doan247. He's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. Brian, on the topic of offensive linemen, let's touch now on Penn State. Now, they lost Nolan Rucci, uh, an in-state prospect, a five-star offensive lineman, a very highly coveted uh, player who committed to Wisconsin recently. Yeah, I think they, all the Penn State people just turned off. But anyway, but, come back. But, come Penn, back. but Penn State does appear to be in good shape in, in 2022 and 2023. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we covered the the problems that they've had with not getting kids on campus before, so let's stay away from that. But, you know, they have a new offensive line coach, Phil Troutwine, great reputation. Um, Everybody I talk to says he's got a really good eye for offensive line talent. You look at what he wants to recruit. He wants long, athletic kids who – you know, they're not going to be 320 pounds right now. He wants guys that, you know, he can help shape the body in the weight room and everything. But you want length. You want guys who can play on the edge. And and all of a sudden, you look at – so we talked about, I think, last week or two weeks ago that they have a commitment from Drew Shelton in the 22 class, who's the number one offensive lineman in the state. But they're also really heavily involved with Gunnar Givens out of Daleville, Lord Botatort, which is uh, in Virginia, you know, probably about mm, – if I had to put a number on it, maybe about an hour, 15, hour and a half from Virginia Tech, uh, kind of on that side of the state. He's the number one offensive tackle in the uh, 24-7 sports composite in the 22 class. He knows Landon Tangwell, who's committed to Penn State in the 21 class, you know, a top 100 kid. I'm told he has Penn State pretty high on his list he likes Virginia Tech Clemson and some others but he's always told me all along that Penn State was a school he wanted to go visit as soon as visits opened up he he, he really connects well with Troutwine um, his one of his good friends is Zach Rice who I mean he's the number two offensive tackle in the composite I think he's our number one offensive tackle from Lynchburg Christian and and he's looking at Penn State and he's interested they're doing well with a kid out of IMG Academy Tyler Booker who is originally from Connecticut and began his high school career at Bergen Catholic in North Jersey so Troutwine knows him has a great relationship with him and there's also a, a stud in the 22 class in Massachusetts Ty Chan who to be honest once we get a little more film and see you know some of his off-season workouts I, I would think he'll wind up being a top Two four seven kid in a twenty two class, and he's from Lawrence Academy, and he's they're doing really well with him too. He's got a great relationship with Troutwine from when Troutwine was at Boston College, um, which is where he was before he joined Penn State in the off season. And then you look at the twenty three class, and I know twenty three to people seems like so far away, but the way recruiting's going, and like we mentioned, a lot of these places had nothing to do but recruit for seven months or six months, so they've gotten to know. But you look at so. If you're looking at two of the top kid, top hundred kids in the 23 class, offensive linemen, one's Alex Birchmeyer out of Virginia, and another is Chase Basantis out of New Jersey. They both made visits to Penn State in the last few weeks just to look around, walk around campus, get a feel for it. Also, a kid named Antonio Tripp, who's a 23 out of McDonough, who, you know, he, he wasn't in the initial top 100, but by the end of it, I think he'll be easily a top 247 kid and probably a lot higher than that. He made a recent trip to Penn State also, and McDonough and Penn State already have a good relationship with several kids on the roster from McDonough. Um, you know, just outside of Baltimore, visiting there. And they're also doing really well with a kid who we have rated really high, Nolan McConnell, um, 
out of Virginia. Uh, I think he's probably about the number 41, 42 player in the class of 23 um, out of Colonial Forge down in Virginia. And Penn State's doing really well with all four of those guys. And if you get one of those guys, it's a good class. You know, if you get if you get a couple of those guys, man, look out. And then again, and you know, I look at in the twenty two class with Givens, Rice, you know, Booker and Chan. You know, and you already have Shelton on board. I know Penn State. If you look at Penn State, and I watch them close, I see them every weekend when they play. Um, you know, they're missing that elite offensive line, right? That's what you. That's what is keeping them, I think, from really beating Ohio State. They've had some great games with them, but I think that's really the difference. And to me, this is it. To me, this just, you know, if you're a Penn State fan, you should be really excited about the possibilities of the offensive line. Right, and if that's a focal point moving forward for that program and they are, like you mentioned, off to a really good start and, and off to the right foot, uh, it could it could lead to you know really, really good riches for them. Brian, before we let you go, you, you touched on it there with, with Penn State being one of the schools right now that obviously is trying its best and hasn't had much to, to really do and focus mostly on recruiting. Well, now football is going to be back in the Big Ten. And the recruiting implications, we're still trying to figure those out. I feel like right now, given the fact that football will be played on the field, the staffs that were affected mostly by the dead period, which, you know, you made a a big, bold claim on this podcast recently that Penn State was the school in the country that was affected the most. But now with football being back, I feel like they will be able to lay out a representation of the program on the field and it could make up for some lost time in recruiting and it could make up for the lack of in-person visits. Uh, to a degree, I, I, I understand. If you, if you win your games. Well, yeah, I mean, to a degree, I understand what you're saying in terms of you know, on the field. And yeah, if you win, you can say, Hey, look what we're doing. We're, we're building here. We're doing a great job. Come join us. You know, you'll make us even better. There's a lot of stuff to that side of it. Um, listen, there's still no, there's, there's no substitute for in-person contact between coach and kids. So there's that, but listen, the last week, you know, talking to kids, they watched ACC games. Um, you know, they're going to watch SEC games they're going to see teams on television. And so let's take Tristan Lee, for example, who if by the end of October he has not decided and he's been able to watch LSU a few times and really can see what they're doing on the field and how things are going well and, man, the momentum feels great. Well, now he can watch Ohio State and he can get a feel for Ohio State. And so you have that. And from that aspect, it's important. And, you know, I don't, I have not come across a kid yet who has said, well, geez, I'm not looking really at that big 10 school much anymore because they're not playing this fall. I I don't, I've yet to come across that kid. And I'm not saying on the record, I'm saying even when you just have discussions with coaches or kids, not for stories, but just in your normal discussions, nobody said that. So the, I don't think it's like some, huge things that now that they're playing but it's a showcase opportunity so for ohio state for michigan penn state it's a chance to showcase here where we are here's where we are you'll make us better but look at this grand stage we can be on and imagine when there's eighty thousand or a hundred thousand people playing on the flip side 
if you're Rutgers who has a new coach and you're rebuilding or, or you're Maryland coming off a of two and 10, you have some great commits in your class and, and you're doing some really good things locally. If it does not go well, your job as the coach is the same as if, you know, everything was normal. Hey, yes, we're not doing well right now, but that's because we don't have players like you. And so it's just going to be, it's going to come back to the relationships the coaches have with the kids before all this, but at least the visual aspect, it will give the kids something to identify with. And, you know, maybe it's the right tackle who looks at Maryland and goes, geez, if I was there, I'd start as a freshman because they don't have a right tackler or a left guard or whatever, um, just stuff like that. So it's just going to be how you spin it, but it's just more um, visual opportunities for the kids to see stuff. Brian Doan, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports. Also, our soccer correspondent on this podcast. Big weekend for you, Brian. You've got Liverpool, your first love, and they're facing Chelsea and your second love, Christian Pulisic. So what is, where's your heart tugging you at? Oh, I mean, Liverpool. Look, at you know, let Pulisic score a goal or two. Have is a great it, yeah, game. that's what I, mean, I was going to say. Is it one of those you know what? where you it, want it, Christian to score three? Well, I mean, no, I don't want him to score at all. I mean, he's going <laughs> to score enough goals in his professional career. And, and listen, Lord knows after I watched Leeds just, you know, put up three on Liverpool last week and Liverpool gifted a penalty in winning that game, thankfully. But let's be honest. I mean, I, I, Blair, I, I think you could put up one against Liverpool with the way they played defense last week. I mean, I, I watched Van Dyke give up a, a, a goal. I mean, what, he, he, it, was, it was ridiculous how he tried to just clear instead of communicating with his goalie. So let's see how much they tighten in the back. I, I love Pulisic. I would have loved for him to be at Liverpool. I'm sorry he's at Chelsea. I'm sorry he has to live with being at Chelsea. Chelsea and everything but what I'm happy is when he got to Chelsea um, and now for people that don't understand this is like the future of the U.S. men's national team this is you know whether you know it was Landon Donovan who was the face for a long time well Pulisic's going to be the face uh, for the next decade and so I want success for him and it's always fun to see Americans go play at the top level and have success but when he got to Chelsea I mean, they, Lampard, the manager there, almost froze him out for a while. And he really had to work to get into the, the rotation and the good graces. And it was almost begrudgingly that Lampard would put him in games. And then for Lampard to turn around and, well, let's wear that Chelsea number 10 now because you've earned it. Come on now. Let's, you know, the kids got talent. Let them play. Let them express that talent. As Davey Johnson always used to tell me when, when he was the manager of the Dodgers, just express your talent. And so he's a fun kid to watch play. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun to see that creativity from an American player because you don't – my biggest complaint about the U.S. national team, and, and I love that team, right? That's the team I will never miss a game on. Um, it's, it needs creativity in the final third of the field, and he has it. Well, let's let's hope he doesn't get too creative against Liverpool on Sunday. Brian, Man, you, you ask, you bring up this soccer stuff, and I just go on because it's my only outlet to talk on. It's it. and we and we can tell it's your passion. So I want you to <laughs> express yourself, as David Johnson would say. Brian, enjoy the match, and everyone, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy week three of the college football season. Thank you so much. This is the twenty four seven Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.